Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. For the safety of you and others, please make sure all hands, feet, and arms remain inside. And please watch your children. And now, let the show begin. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. A show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, yo! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hey, what's up? This is Tim Nadell from Saturday Morning Rewind, bringing you another great episode. Today is a little different. We are actually interviewing a son of a very, very famous voice actor that I guarantee you know his voice, but you may not know his name. The actor we'll be talking about today is the one and only Paul Freeze, and we'll be talking to his son, Fred Freeze. Paul was seriously one of my favorite voice actors of all time. He still is, honestly. And... It's, it's kind of sad that most people don't know the name. But here is some of the stuff he's done. And I cannot listen all here because he was so big. There's so many voices that it would actually take the whole episode just to talk about him. Paul was featured in four Disneyland attractions. One of them was Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh, here he is here playing the auctioneer. Shift your cargo, dearie. Show them your larboard side. We watched already. Belay there, you folks will swap. He was also one of the three pirates inside the prison. The one that's uh, um, trying to get the key from the dog. Give us the key, you screwy little beast. I say grab his ears. Work him over to the noose. Go on now, hold it higher. Higher, I say, higher. Oh, a mangy mutt. Hit him with a super. Yeah, doggy. He had a lot of other parts too in Pirates, but unfortunately some of them have been cut to add new scenes from the, the theatrical movies. He was also featured in Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, the attraction at Disneyland. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you to our dramatization of Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. May we present as a prologue a brief bit of background about Abraham Lincoln. Here, in his own words, is what he once wrote about himself. But I guarantee this next voice is the one that you guys would be like, oh, so good, so great, because it's my personal favorite of his performances. And this one would be the ghost host from Haunted Mansion. I actually want to go right now and play some of the uh, recording session from the Haunted Mansion. So here is Paul Freeze recording the ghost host. When hinges creak in doorless chambers and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls, whenever candlelights flicker where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. It seemed rushed to me. Yeah, I think you can play with that a little bit more, Paul. How much time uh, more do I have? Oh, you got another five seconds, eight oh. seconds. Oh, that's like giving whiskey to an Indian. You, God bless you. I don't want to even want the money today. <clears throat> Take two. <clears throat> Strike that last part. I'm glad we're recording that last line. Yeah. And to keep with the uh, Disney theme, he was also Ludwig von Drake. Good evening. Now, the first thing I would like to say is, look out! That crazy bar you're going with that thing! <laughs> oh, look. How do you like that? I thought it was a motorcycle coming at me, and it was the spotlight was hitting me because I'm the professor going to give a lecture. <laughs> well, anyway. He actually did a lot of things for Rankin Bass, and one of the things that really sticks out for me was Burgermeister, Meister Burger, from Santa Claus is Coming to Town. As I suspected, I hate toys, and toys hate me. Either they are going or I am going. And I am certainly not going, Grinsley. And one of my favorite performances of his, he did the voice of Kubla Krauss 
in the 1979 Ring of Bass film Jack Frost. I'm Kubla Kraus, I'm king of all the Cossacks. Oh, there are no Cossacks to be king of. There's the rub, there's the rub, there's the rub. I'm Kubla Kraus, I could have been a pharaoh. But of course, probably one of his biggest cartoon roles was a voice of Boris from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Well, let's do things fair with square. We'll draw straws for it. Long straw gets to swim. Okay? Okay. I'll take first one. Ooh, he's short. Natasha? Paul also did a ton of commercial work. He was the Pillsbury Doughboy. Hi, I'm Poppin' Fresh, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Hi. Out of cookies? Let's make some. He was in the uh, Raid commercials and also the Green Giant commercials. And here he is now in a 1969 radio spot performing as Willie the Wisp. It's actually a Honda Mansion commercial that was on the radio. Hi, ghost fans. This is your daring reporter inside the haunted mansion at Disneyland. And with me here somewhere is that former Olympic hide-and-seek champion, Willie the Wisp. Oh, there you are. Say, Willie, what's it like in the haunted mansion? Beautiful, man. Kind of weird and wild and freaky. Sounds ideal, but I understand Disneyland's Haunted Mansion is now open to humans. Humans? Wow, that's scary. Another one of my favorite Paul Freese performances is actually a little-known performance that he, nobody really knew he did up until recently. I'm sure most of you have either seen or at least heard of the movie Some Like It Hot featuring Marilyn Monroe. Well, Tony Curtis plays one of the lead actors and in which he pretends to be a girl and he has to sound like a girl it came out many years later that tony curtis actually couldn't keep up his female voice it kept on cracking and stuff like that so they had paul freeze redub his lines as a female so when you go back and watch some like it hot that's not tony curtis that is actually paul freeze doing the female voice for tony curtis and here's a little sample of that well here we are are you two from the polycop agency yes we're the new girls he was also featured on War of the Worlds, the original movie, as the reporter, which is actually a very well-known scene. The target for the A-bomb is this nest of Martian machines in the Puente Hills, where more of these meteor cylinders came down early last evening. A plane will pinpoint the target for the drop from six miles up. And we've been warned that this bomb is ten times more powerful than anything previously used. So like I said, Paul Fries is honestly one of my favorite voice actors of all time. And after listening to an audiobook of Welcome Foolish Mortals, The Life and Voices of Paul Fries by Ben Omart, I learned so many amazing things from this book. And the cool thing is, the audiobook is actually his son, Fred Fries, who is on the podcast today. So it was really cool to hear somebody so close to Paul Fries reading his biography. And like I said, I learned so many things from this book, which I highly, highly recommend. It's so entertaining. So many things I didn't know about Paul Freeze. I mean, I knew, I would say I knew quite a bit, honestly. I thought I did, but it was only a small fraction of the man. And you'll hear that he's even a stranger today. His own son didn't know everything about him. He actually learned a lot of things about his dad reading the biography. His dad was married six or more times. They, they still don't know. He actually did some confidential police work that he never talked about. In the audiobook, you actually get to hear letters that were written back and forth between him and his first wife. And the cool thing is, they actually got a female actress to read off the letters as his wife. And uh, it's so sad because the letters start off all sweet and innocent. And as it progresses, you see that her health is failing and until finally there's no more letters to be read. And that really hit me pretty hard while listening to the audiobook. And of course, we talk about all that kind of stuff in this interview. And uh, one thing I really did learn that really, really made me sad was the way Paul Freeze died. For many years, I thought it was just a regular heart attack. And uh, well, of course, that's what it says online. Everywhere online just says heart failure. But in fact, his agent actually covered it up because Paul Freeze actually killed himself. And uh, we go into detail in that in this interview here. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. 
Of course, make sure to check us out online, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please check out our Patreon campaign if you really want to help us out financially. We'd really, really appreciate that. So again, all of those links are on our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. But uh, without further ado, here is Fred Freeze. All right. So anyways, thank you, Fred, so much for coming on the show, talking all about your dad, Paul Freeze, which I am a huge, huge fan of his work. So this is going to be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I want to tell you how I first remember hearing his voice and when I first fell in love with it. Great. It, it was 1987, and uh, I was seven years old, and my parents took my brother and I to Disneyland for the very first time. Mm. And from then on, the Haunted Mansion has been my favorite attraction ever made. And it's mainly because his voice, because as soon as you enter that ride, I don't know what it is. It just it, it just fills your body and your ears, and it just it's glorious. I don't know what. I can't say anything else nice about it, because it's amazing. Yeah, it's a great ride. I'm sure you have probably been to Disneyland quite a few times, right? <laughs> yeah, not long after it opened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When was the first time you went? Uh, well, I, I can only go by what my my parents told me. I, I was about two or three. Wow. So I don't actually remember yeah. the very first time going, but my mom said when the fireworks went off, I cried. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but later on, I came to you know just love that stuff and... Uh, I remember the Haunted Mansion was going to be built, and then years later, they said it was still unfinished, and years later, it was still unfinished, and it was a, a very delayed project, so it took them a long time to get that thing completed. Mm -hmm. So what, what's become a, a an iconic place now was something that we were waiting for for many, many years, and I, I didn't know that my dad was going to be the voice of the Haunted Mansion. I really? just remember them talking about this Haunted Mansion was going to be built. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting for it. And finally it came out. And, oh, it's dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you experienced that quite a bit during your childhood, huh? Oh, it's dad yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was, you know, everybody was, oh, wow. It, listen to that voice. And it's. You know, it's Boris Badenoff, and it's this and that, and that. Yeah, it's just Dad. Just plain old Dad. Nothing, nothing just, to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many attractions um, was your dad in in Disneyland? I, I know of at least three offhand, four maybe. Uh, that's about it, too, that I know of. The uh, Lincoln, uh, Abraham Lincoln, he mm -hmm. introduces him uh, in that attraction. There was the... The inner space ride, yeah. what we call the Monsanto ride, that that was always my favorite. Uh, I'm getting smaller, and, and, and you're in the ride, and you're getting smaller, and you're seeing this big eye looking at you through the microscope <laughs> and everything. That was fun. Yes. Of course, the Haunted Mansion and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, that's what I figured. That's right. That's all the ones I can think of, too. I, I, think, I think that's it. They, it's odd because he was the voice of Ludwig von Drake. Uh, at Disney, with the Wonderful World of Color, it mm -hmm. was their very first show, which was in color. That was a big deal back in in the early '60s that that a show was in color, and uh, they never used Ludwig von Drake at Disneyland. Yeah, I always found that to be strange, but that was, uh, you know, his probably his biggest character for them. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's very they make a lot of amazing choices, but some that you just are left scratching your head at. Yeah, he also did a lot of incidental things that I can't even recall. But one time at uh, traffic school, which I haven't been to in years, by the way, uh, he did one of those safe car driving videos. Okay. And it was the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was sort of like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. Hmm. And it had a different name to it, uh, Mr. Walter, or well, I can't remember it. And he was this normal guy at home, and I, I think he was drawn sort of like, uh, like Goofy, I, you know, the the character Goofy, yeah, the, the the dog. I'm not sure if that was it or not. And he's normal, and he's with his wife and his kids, and he's real happy, and everything's great until he gets behind the wheel of his car. And then he becomes this monster. He becomes this terrible driver behind the wheel with road rage and all this stuff. Dad narrated that whole, uh, that whole short that they used, 
and they they were playing it in that traffic school that I was in that one time, and I went, oh, that's my dad, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody believed me. Uh, that's insane. Very, very strange. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. So I've recently listened to the uh, biography, "Welcome, Foolish Mortals: The Life and Voices of Paul Frees," and the cool thing is, you're narrating the book. Yeah, I did that. Uh, ben Omar's second edition. That was which, super cool to hear. Oh, you, you listened to the whole thing? It's, it's like eight hours? I listened to it twice. Oh, 16 hours. <laughs> I, I, I don't have much to do at work. I just sit in my little own desk, listen to music, or listen to podcasts or audiobooks. I have plenty of time. Well, that's great. Um, I, uh, I recommend other people listen to it, too. Um, no, but, I. Uh, the cool thing is I, I knew a lot about Paul going into it, but I came out knowing a ton of things I never even knew. I mean, he's still a mystery even to today. Would you not agree with that, that he's still a mystery to a lot of people? Oh, he's still a mystery to me. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things Dad never talked about. He was a very private person, even even at home. How much did you learn yourself by doing the, the narration of the book? Uh, a lot, because Ben uh, uncovered all kinds of stuff that I, I had no access to. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, stuff that dad never, cause like I said, dad never really spoke much about stuff at home. You know, when we were together, it was being together. And dad didn't talk about stuff, really. Yeah. So a, a, lot of the, a lot of the things in that book were a revelation to me. So you're probably a little weird every now and then hearing some of the things that were going on in his life, some personal problems and whatnot. Well, weird in a sense, but more... I actually, I don't know how to explain it. It's more of a comfort that you find out more about your parents. Mm-hmm. And nothing I ever, nothing would surprise me. I know, I knew enough about my, <laughs> I knew my dad well enough to know that anything wouldn't be a surprise to me. Um, it was mostly informational, the stuff that that Ben found out, like a lot of the credit stuff, a lot of the things that he did, I didn't know. Every credit that he did, uh, all the radio shows that he did, and a lot of the stories that people tell that went on between them. Um, I loved hearing stuff like that. You know, I, I mean, I witnessed some of that stuff mm-hmm. and some things that are not in the book. I, I didn't tell Ben everything uh, that I know about, but I, I helped Ben quite a bit with that book. And what was great is he, in the second edition, was able to because obviously listening to the book you know now that my father was married at least six times Mm -hmm. and it could be more you said in the book yeah it could be more (laughs) (laughs) but his fifth wife was not in the first edition of the book because ben had not spoken to her and she had a lot of really interesting things to say so that's in the second edition oh wow which wife was that uh, jerry okay what are some things that you didn't tell Ben that aren't in the book? <laughs> oh, well, I, I'm not sure that you're able to talk about. That, uh, ben was quite thorough. He he was very insistent when he first called me about doing the book, and I had gotten calls from several other people who wanted to do a book as well, mm-hmm. and, and I I turned everyone down, but Ben wouldn't take no for an answer. Hmm. When I said no to the other people, they they never called back, but Ben pursued it and he also had already interviewed people like June Foray and other people who knew dad so Ben had done his homework before he even called me mm-hmm. and convinced me that he was serious about it and that it would be a thorough and justified biography so I, I actually answered quite a lot of questions for Ben at the time we mostly emailed it spoke on the phone a few times and there were just a few there were there's there's no personal things that i i i just can't talk about mm-hmm. um just things that uh growing up you know they you know like all the times you know we hit, wherever my father and i had a disagreement or a problem there was a lot of friction between my father and my stepfather and my mother uh my mother and the wives that he, my dad was marrying there was a lot of personal painful stuff that didn't need to be talked about. Yeah, that, that doesn't need to be out there at all. No, 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 it's not relevant. Yeah. 
The one thing I didn't know about your dad was he was, he was a very avid painter. Oh, yeah. Did you have any was, of his paintings? Uh, I have some of them, yeah. Nice. The, my, actually, I've got a few that, that were actually my favorites. Um, he was in possession of most of them, but the one that I liked the most, my mother had. So she she gave that to me. Okay. And, uh, it's it's of a it's a it's a painting of a painter, and he's looking right at you, holding a brush and a palette, and he's just about to paint you, and he's looking at you, and it's a really great painting of a painter. Huh. Uh, very very unique painting. Dad took art school before he got into voice work. And was going to be an artist before he even considered doing voice work. Hmm. But there was no money in it, and he needed money because his wife at the time was in the hospital, and he uh, got a radio job, tried to do voice work in radio, and, and of course he did. And, that, and, and he just kind of did painting as a hobby from that point on. Yeah, you spoke of his, her, his first wife. That part of the book was so emotional. I, at first, I didn't know where it was going when it was reading out the letter, letters that she was writing. And then yes. as it progressed, you can, you can see something coming, and it, it's coming and coming, and then it just hits you. That was so emotional. Well, there's uh, – let me see if I can find it for you while you're here. Uh, gosh darn it. There's a book that Ben put out of just those letters. Now the, the letters that are in the Paul Fries biography is, um, a condensation of those letters. And he actually put, we, I, and we did a recording. We, I, I, it's fleshed out. The, the, all the letters are in this one book called you'd be so nice to come home to. Oh, wow. And it's got, the same recording that you hear on the biography, except mm -hmm. it's the full-length recording. Wow. Okay, I'm, I'm going to check that out because that was such a great part in the book. Well, that was tough because those letters obviously were letters that my dad wrote to her and letters that she wrote to her mother. And we're talking about my dad's first wife. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the letters that she wrote to him are long gone. Yes. But I'm sure my mother, if she had known they existed, would have gotten rid of them. Yeah. A long yeah, time true. ago. <laughs> but we can infer what she wrote to him because he kind of answers her in her letters. And it's amazing that she kept all those letters mm -hmm. and that, that Ben found them. I, I don't know how he did that. No. Yeah. You, my letters are long gone from only 20 years ago. You know, my, <laughs> my love letters. <laughs> but see that that to me is the most revelatory of all because there's here's my dad at the time where she was still calling him buddy. Yeah. She, yeah. she didn't even call him Paul. She, yeah. she, he was he was going by the name Buddy. And to to hear how my father really was in, in that time frame because that was right right during World War II. And it was it starts a couple years before he was sent over to Normandy. Uh, right in the middle of it. And then coming home after being wounded and what happened to them subsequent to that is it's absolutely fascinating and it's a tale of that era, let alone just about my dad. Mm -hmm. So that's stuff he would never talk about. You couldn't mention her name and he without him just going silent. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So would it be safe to say that if she didn't pass when she passed, that things would have been really different, wouldn't they? I would not have been born, and this conversation <laughs> wouldn't be taking place right now. That is true. That is true. But <laughs> If he had been married to her, he never would have married anyone else. That's what I was thinking. Or, 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 or if he had, it would have been at a different time. He may not have met my mother, because mm -hmm. my mother was wife number three. I, I know very little about wife number two. And... Things are very strange in life, and if she had lived or lived longer, the sequence of events would have been different, and I, I probably wouldn't have been born. Mm -hmm. As sad as it is reading these letters and her dying, and that that was probably the most painful thing my father ever lived through, mm -hmm. I owe my life to this woman. Exactly. 
I know. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it, you know, and if, if people think I'm great or, uh, you know, it's worth I, that my life is worth something, you can thank <laughs> the sequence of events and this horrible tragedy that my dad had to live through for that to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that things happen for a reason. And who knows? Well, well, there you go. So tell me some of your favorite moments with your dad that you experienced. My favorite moments were, this is going to sound kind of simplistic, but being with him mm-hmm. were my favorite moments. Because after I was six years old, my parents got divorced. And the custody was twice a month. So every other week, I got to be with my dad for the weekend. And I treasured those moments every single time. Just being with my dad. We didn't have to do anything. I didn't care what we did or what we didn't do. Because after you know a week... Dad was, you know, tired. His dad worked, you know, every single day, mm-hmm. full time. And sometimes his voice would be shot and whatnot. He'd be tired. And we would go out and do th- a few things together. But sometimes we'd just stay home and he'd just lounge around or just lay in bed. And just being with him was always so great for me. I, I just loved being with my dad. That sounds a lot like me because uh, my parents never divorced, so I, I experienced my dad all the time. But mm. he did die at an early age. I think he was 57, about five and a half years ago. And mm. and I just, my favorite memories are just being with him, just like you said. I, I don't have very many memories, besides a couple of vacations here and there. But I just enjoy just being with him. Well, that's it. Um, I, I, can, I can think of particular th- moments that were extra special, I suppose, but uh, just being with him was the most important thing. I, there was one time, I remember this was before they got divorced because he was still in the house. I had, an, talking about Disneyland again, I had this itching to go to Disneyland. Just out of nowhere, I just, I want to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Dad, let, let's go to Disneyland. <laughs> oh, I don't want to go to Disneyland now, and, you know, because it was a, at least a 45-minute drive from mm-hmm. where we lived. I must have been pretty convincing because we ended up going. <laughs> so I, I, I felt pretty good about that. I got to go to Disneyland <laughs> with Dad, and it was right at the spur of the moment, and, and off we went. So that was kind of cool. What year was that? Do you remember? Well, it couldn't have been later than 1959 okay. because dad dad was still living in the house. Okay. So I couldn't have been more than six years old. What are some of the things that you learned from your dad, either by just watching him or something he taught you? Uh, the, the num- And I, I say this in the book, the number one thing I learned from my dad was uh, having a, an appreciation for life. Uh, he always said, don't lose your zest for life. Yeah. And that's tough when you're facing physical challenges. Just, just your own, <laughs> your own body f- betrays you and things happen. You know, you get injured or weird stuff happens. And as you get older, it, 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 but I've never forgotten that. that. That has always kept me going. Dad has always been an inspiration for me. Of course, his success is inspirational not just to me but to a lot of people um his professionalism has always been a an inspiration to me i learned how to be a professional what what you do and what you don't do as a professional um when that has to do with interacting with other people uh promising only what you can deliver and delivering on everything that you promise uh, Dad was a consummate professional. He, he, no matter how much, and there were there were a lot of moments in recording sessions where they were sticking around and ad libbing and having fun, and sometimes they'd play practical jokes on each other. I've heard a lot of stories about that. Mm-hmm. And in spite of all that, when it came down to that moment where the client's money is at is on the table. And, and the product needs to be delivered and the service has to be performed, dad never let them down. And I, I, I strive for that too. So I, it, that, that's a tradition that he set up that uh, 
you know, it's, it's hard to forget. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that I didn't know going into the listening to the biography was the way he died. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for, for years, I mean, even online, it says he died of just a natural, you know, heart failure. Yeah, I, the, the, his agent decided that would be the better thing to say to people. The, I don't know. I, I, I guess they didn't want to sully his reputation or mm-hmm. change his perce- people's perception of him. But when it came down to the biography and Ben was asking me stuff that I, I decided there's no point in obfuscating the truth. I mean, he, he died the way he died and he, he, he took himself out. But one thing that's not in the book here, here's, here's an answer for you. Okay. So, something in the book that I didn't tell Ben, my dad used to tell me one, every so often he goes, he says, someday they're going to find your old man. And I say, dad, st- Stop saying that. (laughs) What are you you talking about? He says, well, someday they're just going to find me. They're just going to walk in. One day they're just going to find your old man laying there. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. But it it always seemed like he was sort of joking. You know, that was years. And and I don't think it was premeditated or deliberate. I think what dad finally did was a moment. Uh, that caught up with him. He had just had some argument with his current girlfriend. I, I, this woman, he, he had, this isn't in the book either. That woman, Joyce, he had put her on the phone. I spoke to dad three weeks before this happened. And he put her on the phone. He goes, oh, we're going to get married. I said, okay. <laughs> At least number seven that we know of. <laughs> whatever you, whatever makes you happy, Dad. Uh-huh. You know, and, he, and he puts her on the phone. I never spoke to this woman before. I never even heard of her. Oh, yes, we're so in love, and we're going to get married. I'm going to marry your dad. I said, okay, whatever. Uh, can't be worse than it was before. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know, whatever makes you happy, Dad. But apparently they had some kind of misunderstanding he had been living with her, and he went back to his house in Tiburon and was there by himself. And uh, that was it. Yeah. Was it was it pain medication he took? Well, he had a whole medicine cabinet full of mm-hmm. stuff. I, I I don't know what he had. I mean, it's it's on the it's the the coroner's report had a whole list of wow. stuff. That that was really. Depressing. Yeah, no, no kidding. The, the death certificate and the coroner's report. I mean, that reading that stuff is just like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't do, I don't take more than an Advil once every six months or something. <laughs> that, that's it for me. But yep. boy, he was just medicating and medicating. And that, that's a problem with that people have. Uh, he. Uh, he just uh, I'm sure he just decided that was it. And and his his agent didn't want that revealed right away. They said he died of a heart attack, which sounds better. Yeah. Well, it kind of was a heart attack, just not naturally caused. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. That's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> well, you know, uh his agent was also his best friend. Um the executor of his will, and he made decisions to make you know put him in the best light and all that. Yeah, which you know I understand that. But my dad has had an image. Not that the public knew who he was by name very much, um, which was fine with him. My mm-hmm. dad liked anonymity, and that's why you'll see or hear so many things that he did without screen credit. Yeah, I was even amazed. I knew, like I said, going into it, I knew a lot that he's done. But then when they listed off the credits and the biography, it's like, oh, he was that. That's amazing. Yeah, he he uh, he rather savored that. He he didn't he liked having power. He liked having success. But as far as fame, he was. Famous in the business. People in the business knew who he was. 
But as far as the public was concerned, he 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 preferred being anonymous, and, and and most people didn't know who he was. And to this day, they hear things and didn't know it was him. Mm-hmm. A lot of dubbing, a lot of overdubbing, and a lot of uh, things in movies like uh, George Pal. He did a lot of that stuff, and all of it without screen credit. So you you just hear the voice, but you don't know who it was. Every now and then, when I hear a voice like his, it's hard for me to tell if it's Paul. Or if it's Corey Burton. <laughs> I, I admire Corey so much. Uh, nobody does a better Hans Conried no. than, than Corey. Mm-hmm. He, Corey is amazing. Um, uh, we're, we're in touch now and then. Good. Uh, well, Corey was, was like Keith Scott when he was younger, was heavily inspired by my dad. Yeah, and, he was. You know, t- spoke to him. You know, tried to get in touch with him and learn from him. And uh, but you can't tell the difference. I I can always know when it's my dad. <laughs> I, it, I, it was easy. I, I don't know. Growing up, it just you know, it, especially if he was doing an impersonation of somebody, he could do uh, Peter Lorre or Humphrey Bogart or a host of other Orson Welles. Orson Welles, and I once had an argument with someone about War of the Worlds, the movie. They said, oh, that's Orson Welles doing the opening credits. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> and, and I could always tell. And some people would be so convinced that his impersonation was close and, and it was right on. And, and uh, it sounds too much like my dad anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> what about your favorite performance? What's your favorite Paul Freese character or performance? That's tough. Um I I always I always loved Boris Badenoff. Mm-hmm. Um, Boris was always a great long term character, but I loved the little things that my dad did, like the talking rings in the time machine. Yes. My name is of no consequence. Think things like that, the, the, the little things. He he was the fighter pilot in the movie Rodan. Hmm. I see him. It's Rodan. Wow. <laughs> just little yeah. just those little things. Th- those are the things that I like best. Or he was the um in Spartacus, he was he's one of the Roman soldier at the end of the movie that says, "Which one of you is Spartacus?" Uh all those uncredited mm-hmm. little things. Those are the things that stand out to me the most. Of course, I I I would say my favorite character that he ever did was Goofy Grape. Okay. From the Funny Face Drinks. Mhm. <laughs> Goofy Grape. <laughs> that was dad being bubbly and funny and that's when I loved him the most I think besides the ghost host of course I think my most favorite underrated character of his would have been uh, Kuba Krause in the Jack Frost mm. I love well, I love that character some people love Burgermeister Meisterberger yes oh that's amazing I, I loved him as the ringleader in uh, introducing Bozo the Clown oh yes the Bozo the Clown uh, cartoons. Wow. Introducing Bozo, the world's most famous clown. I, I like when he did that. Mm-hmm. But the best thing, of course, is when, he, when we, were, we were together at home and he would just do shtick at home. That, that, that was always my favorite thing. Would you ever see him like practicing a new voice out for an upcoming role? No. Wow. No. No. Dad would either be goofing around at home spontaneously or not do anything at all. He never brought his work home with him. He never remembered anything that he ever done because he did <laughs> so much. And he never spoke about work and he never, he, he had a, now you asked about what I learned from him. One, mm-hmm. one thing I learned from my father, which was a, uh, even my mother, cause she was in the business too. Strict, strict silence when it comes to a project that you're working on. You don't discuss an audition. A lot of people like to say, oh, I'm having an audition. I'm auditioning and they'll post it online or something. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's really, you'll notice that the, the most professional people don't do that. You don't discuss what you're doing and if you're in the middle of a project, you don't discuss it. My dad wouldn't talk about anything unless it was a fait accompli. It was a finished project Hmm. it was in the can it was recorded it was done paid over then you can talk about it but until then 
you maintain absolute silence. So I, I have a habit of doing that too. Where mm-hmm. If I'm in the middle of something, I don't discuss it. Uh, Dad was very, very particular about that. And he never brought his work home with him. Sometimes I have friends come over and I try to get him to do voices for them. They'd want to hear him do, you know, whatever. And he, he didn't like doing things on request. Unlike Mel Blanc, who would do anything on request. Mm-hmm. My, dad, my dad didn't want to do things on request, so I had to badger him into doing stuff. I was very persistent. <laughs> I can hear that. Yeah, you went to Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. You made him go to Disney but, when you were six. Well, yeah. And, you know, my best friend's there. And said, come on, Dad. Do, <laughs> do, do Ludwig. Come on. Do, do the Pillsbury Doughboy. Come on, Dad. But he would sometimes just be in the mood to do stuff. And that's when the hat collection would come in. I don't know if I mentioned that in the book or I, not. I don't think you did, no. Well, Dad had a hat collection. Um, a, he had a safari hat and a, a, a Napoleon-type hat and a little bowler. All, all these different headwear, headgear and stuff. And once in a while, he'd, he'd put the hat on, and he'd become the character of the hat. So he'd put the Napoleon hat on, and he'd start doing Napoleon. And, or he'd put the safari hat, and he'd start doing stuff like, you know, on a safari and stuff. So when he was in the mood, he'd ad-lib and just kind of, you know, <laughs> make fun of stuff at home. And, and half the time, he was just wearing his underwear and nothing else and <laughs> running around the house and... Not, not the image most people have of Paul Freese. Nope, not whatsoever. <laughs> no, because at work he'd wear his his triple, you know, button his blazer. You know, he always had an ascot and matching blazer, and mm-hmm. you know, Brooks Brothers. Dad's clothes were absolutely immaculate. His his fingernails were were manicured professionally. Things that I'd never do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like wearing loose – I like wearing T-shirts, which he, my dad hated the clothes I wore because I didn't like wearing fancy clothes. But my dad did. But at home, he would just lounge around. And that's an image most people would never have. But that to me, that's, that's Paul Freeze when he was just, just loose at home and wearing those silly hats and playing characters. That's amazing. Yeah, Dad, Dad could be a lot of fun. Tell me about his funeral. Would it have been something that he would have approved of, do you think? Oh, God. Well, I had to go to two of them. There was the actual one up north, because he died in Marin County, north of San Francisco. Okay. I had to fly up for that. And that's where he, see that none of this is in the you're getting good stuff here Tim, i know I, I am I, I never discussed that in the book <laughs> he was they had him in the the coffin there with the lid open it was an open casket mm. and i went with my uncle dave and i didn't want to go near it but he goes come on you have to do this you have to everybody kept telling me what i had to do mm-hmm. my mother said you you have to go okay my, my Uncle Dave, you have to come up to look at the – so he, he goes up and then he starts crying. Well, why would you go up if you knew you were going to start crying? So I went up and I saw him and actually he looked pretty good laying in there. Boy, they did a job on him. He looked – dad looked like he was just laying there sleeping. Hmm. Yeah, and they had them in the, one of his suits and everything. Boy, he, he looked great. That didn't bother me so much until they closed the lid. And then all of a sudden, it, 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 it hits you that <laughs> he's gone, all right. Hmm. And this, this was a week later. I mean, it, it, it was a week after he actually had died. And that service was, was tough. I, I, there was no burial because Dad was cremated. It's not – Yeah. Burial is not a family tradition as far as I know, so – I, and I wasn't around for the cremation. I mean, I was there for the service and flew back. But then a week after that, they held a big memorial service down here in Los Angeles. And that had three times or four times as many people. Up north, there, there was a small crowd of people. But down here, it was, it was a who's who. Mm-hmm. Casey Kasem was there. Lauren Green was there. 
just it was it was it was the Hollywood celebrities that showed up to the memorial service down here. So, of course, he wasn't here him physically. I mean, the one up north he was, but down here it was just a memorial service, and that that was that was hard too because and but a lot of people were relaying stories about him. There was more of that because there were no celebrities up in the north. The actual service up north. Mm-hmm. My dad's closest friends up north were in the sheriff's department. He had a an affinity for law enforcement, so that was a, another side to my dad's personality that most people don't know about. Yeah, that's one thing I definitely did not know about about his uh, his law side. Well, he served in special services in the army, and he always served his country. My dad was very uh, patriotic and had an affinity for. For law enforcement. My mom always called it, oh, he's just playing cops and robbers. Because to my mom, everything was sort of <laughs> flip. Everything's kind of flippant with my mother. Oh, he's just doing that. He's mm-hmm. just doing this. Um, this is also not in the book. My mom used to say that doing voice work for my dad was too easy. That he was so good at it that he needed some other challenge in his life something else and that something else was law enforcement i can see that i can see him not being happy with where he is and trying to further himself further his life his career or whatnot just to go to the next step well when you've conquered it what more do you have exactly. what, what, there is there was no next step for him he, yeah he had you know his his career was the stuff that people dream about which i personally never wanted to even approach uh I knew my, I knew that my dad was so accomplished that I, I didn't stand a chance to try. I, I just didn't have that kind of ambition. I, I like doing voice work, especially what I do now. But it took me years after he had passed away before I really got around to considering it. So tell everybody what you're up to now. What are you, what are you working on? Uh, well, I just finished an audio book for uh, an author named Ron Foster. And the book is called Clem's Contrivance, and it's on Audible right now. It's on uh, Amazon and iTunes, and I recommend people download it and listen to it. Nice. And what else do you do besides audiobooks? Uh, I do a lot of exclusive stuff for Bear Manor Media, and we've released a lot of comedy albums. Some of it's musical. Some of it's just sketch comedy and – I've I've done some of my own uh, impressions of my dad's ringtones, Paul Free's ringtones, those oh, kind yes. of things. You know, d- different types of stuff and uh, wh- whatever projects interest me, uh, I do. Uh, I I did a couple of years at the Cartoon Network doing Morocco Mole. Oh yeah, which uh, Dad was the original mm-hmm. Morocco Mole, and there there have been others that have tried to do it, but I did it for a couple of years, and again, that was Dad's Peter Lorre uh, impression. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Wow, which was real interesting because I don't know if you know the other audiobook that I did besides the Paul Frees audiobook. I also did the audiobook for Mel Blanc. Oh wow! No, man, I, I man, man of a thousand voices. Well, Tim. Go to uh, I need to get Amazon. That. Yeah, <laughs> listen. If you've listened to that one, listen. listen I know. to the Mel Blank one. I have because the... I I learned so much about Mel that I didn't know. Yes, and it was interesting because the two of them were they they were close. They weren't best friends. My dad held Mel in the highest regard because they were pretty much I wouldn't call them rivals, but they were both top of their game. They were not rivals. Mm. Uh, they they were just very different especially in their personal life. But Mel was 10 years older than my dad. Dad's, mm-hmm. Mel started – my dad was serving in the, in, the, in the war and Mel was already doing stuff for Warner Brothers. Wow. But the interesting thing that I found out was Mel did not care for voice actors that did imitations. Oh. Mel, Mel – you never heard Mel do an imitation. Everything for him was an original – Yeah, that's cre- right. Created – created voice and although my dad did do original voices my dad did a lot of imitations or, or what he called impersonations which to him was a, a done in reverence and it would only be to a celebrity who had already passed away 
my dad would never impersonate someone that was still alive in a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And he did a lot of that. So I don't know if Mel was thinking about my dad when he said that or not. But, uh, <laughs> Who knows? They, they did work together on the Secret Squirrel show. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I know they knew each other pretty well. Yeah, I need to check out. I, I've seen the biography, but I haven't listened to the audio book of the biography. I, I highly recommend it. I will definitely get that because <laughs> it was a fun time listening to the Paul Freeze one. Well, again, Ben Omar does the best research and he, he writes the best biographies because it's so thorough. And he usually puts them in chronological order so you get a sense of the 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 life yeah. span, the career as it moves along. And I liked how in the audiobook, like I said, you hear the other voices like the you know, his wife. There's actually a female reading the letters instead of you reading the letters as, you know, her writing them. Well, that was my recommendation. Mm-hmm. They had oh, asked me to do they had asked me to read both parts of the letter. And I said, why don't you get a woman to read Anel's part, please? I don't like doing female voices anyway. And sometimes they ask me to do that, and I, I really don't like doing it. Because nothing sounds better than a female doing a female exactly. as a female. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, they, they found this great actress to do her letters. So when you hear the, the two of them trans, you know, together, back and forth, it's, it's, it's really nice. So, Fred, what else? Uh, anything else coming up you wanted to talk about? Anything you wanted to promote? Uh, I appreciate you asking me yeah. that. Uh, like I said, stuff I'm working on right now, I, 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 I'm not really yep. eager, eager to talk about at the moment. I'm, I'm fortunate that I always have something going on. I'm, I, I get to stay busy most of the time. But um, one thing that I started this year was actually coaching. Nice. And I, I had a I had a student who she'd never taken an acting lesson in her life and she wanted to do character voices. And I got her trained to do eighteen different characters. I produced her animation demo and I just helped her book two jobs. Wow. So if anyone's interested in doing character voices, I'm available. They can find me through my website. And what is that address? It's fredfreeze.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun, I think. Oh, I love it, Tim. Thanks. Thanks for listening to that Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.